0: Hey fanboy nation.
1: This is your pal Daffy Duck and
0: you're watching. You're watching. We're watching. You're watching fanboy. 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 A
1: fanboy etc. Fanboy nation.
0: Dot. I assume. Tom.
1: <laughs> this afternoon I can actually finally say I have the pleasure of speaking with somebody that uh ha- has a close spot to my heart with taking the initiative and doing things on his own. Uh he's the writer, the director, could have been the DP, the lighting guy. The cameraman at one point and running cords and everything else uh, on the film automation. Garo Setian, how are you? <laughs> how are you?
0: Uh, nice to speak with you. <laughs> yeah, pleasure. I, I can't take credit on cinematography on the movie. That was Michael Sue, and he did a great job. So you know. <laughs>
1: yeah. well, you virtually
0: did everything
1: else. When I find out from from Sadie Katz and uh, Jeff J Knight that this was a <laughs> micro budget film that took twelve days to shoot. I think yeah. the, the featured documentary said that you have a bunch of friends at Titmouse that yep. uh, that let you use the their facility for pickups. Yep. So you pretty much did a lot of this stuff on your own, man, and this has definitely <laughs> got to be a pet project for you.
0: It, it totally was. Uh, you know, uh, my wife and I started a company a while ago uh, called Hungry Monster Entertainment, and I primarily edit movie trailers under that banner. That's my regular gig. But uh, we've been wanting to make a movie for a while, and, you know, uh, we've tried a few other times, and it didn't work out. And we finally just said, okay, what are our resources? What do we have? And a l- little piece of everything that didn't come together in the past uh, became a part of making this movie happen. And, uh, you know, we were very fortunate. We had a very dedicated crew and a lot of good people, and we were able to put this thing together.
1: Well, you guys did a fantastic job, especially with the costume itself.
0: Oh, well that that's uh Ted Smith. He's the uh designer of that robot. Uh he's a master prop builder. Uh you should check out. He has his own uh website, the Evil Ted Channel. And uh, you know, he shows people how to build their own, you know, costumes and props and things like that. I mean, he's worked on everything from like, you know, he's worked with James Cameron and you know, top, you know, TV shows and movies and everything and now, he basically shows people how to build their own costumes and, you know, do cosplay and things like that. In fact, that's how I got Jeff Knight uh, for the movie because he knew him through the cosplayer community.
1: And Jeff did a great job as Otto. I mean, he kind of made him run, ch- you know, like childlike, like there was this innocence to the robot itself, even though, as we find out, it was, it was a war machine initially. That got reprogrammed. And I'm not giving any anything away that the trailer doesn't show us. So we're not going to yep, go yep. past, you know, act one in giving details away.
0: Right, right, exactly. And I think even if people didn't see the trailer, I think uh, <laughs> that's, that's probably something you would have guessed was going to happen at some right. point in time. You're not going to watch the robot movie to just see it live happily ever after and be all okay, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's part four.
1: You know, (laughs) Uh, when it it was first presented to me, they're like, oh, it's kind of like RoboCop meets The Office. And I got scared because I tried to watch The Office a couple of times. And Mm -hmm. there's so many extreme close ups back and forth, zooming in to give it that documentary feel like, -hmm. you know, behind the scenes documentary stuff that I, you know, I was like, I can't do it. I'm getting a headache watching The Office. and I was like, please don't let the cinematography be The Office.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We, we were not, we definitely were not, we, it was, uh, established early on. We wanted it to be classically filmed. This is, uh, n- none of the, um, you know, cinema verte stuff, really. We, <laughs> we just wanted it to feel like, uh, you know, like a, like a movie. You sit down and you watch it. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, I assume you're a kid that grew up in LA that, uh, loved, loved, you know, the drive-in movies and like the 80s classic movies of like RoboCop. Terminator, you know, the sci-fi genre of that time that, you know, was a warning of, hey, if you don't take care of things, it's going to lead to this dystopian future.
0: Yeah, well, I watched yeah. all that stuff. I'm actually even a little older than I mean, like I grew up with you know all those '80s movies, and also like watching on TV any any science fiction or monster movie. Like I would look in TV Guide and ooh, this film's gonna be coming up. I want to watch it. Or, we had a thing called the Four O'clock Movie, and they'd show Japanese monster movies all week, or another week it would be all Hammer monster movies, or so anything you know, especially science fiction. You know, anything with spaceships or monsters or creatures, old movies. That, that was me. I was a classic monster kid. I actually grew up in Massachusetts. Um, and I moved out to LA in 1992 to go to grad school at USC. And, uh, and then I eventually, you know, became a, an editor of uh, movie trailers and, uh, But I've been trying to make a movie for a long time.
1: (laughs) You were in graduate school in 1992, and you still have all your hair. Now I really can't like you.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I know. I look a lot younger than I am, but yes. (laughs) Has a full head of hair and everything. Man, (laughs) Just rub it in. My wife keeps me young.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. That, That just means she's sitting right behind you with her arms folded right now. (laughs)
0: <laughs> She's, actually i'm in i'm in las vegas right now visiting my parents and my uh wife is actually in la uh we have two kids and uh you know we're trying to make do through all the covid stuff so you know
1: well there you go just don't spend all your time behind the plexiglass at the blackjack table
0: yes no 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 <laughs> not much of that <laughs> uh how long ago did you write automation
1: and did you have any idea that during its release time would be the time that we'd be facing the possibility of going full-blown automation?
0: <laughs> you know, I never would have guessed that. I, I can tell you that much. I mean, what I was, you know, basically this film was all built around things that we knew we could get, which was like, you know, the location, or the initial location was my cousin's insulation company. Ted already had a robot from a project that never had been done and uh, he redesigned it and rebuilt it and everything. And he had all these cool space age props that he, he built for another film we were trying to make, but that never happened. So he let me use them all. Um, And Alyssa Dowling, I've known for years and Sadie Katz was a friend. So we were able to, you know, get them into the movie. And, um, you know, so we had all these things. So the script was basically designed around all the things that we could get. And I think we started this process, I think it was like April of 2000, I think it was like April 2017 is when everything kind of fell apart on another project. So I just started uh, working on this script and we shot in January of 2018. Um, so the script process was about, you know, like, you know, we were writing up until the shooting day. But, uh, you know, there was a long process in doing the outline. I worked with uh, Rolf Konefsky on that. And then uh I brought in my friend Matt Schaefer. I wrote half the script, then Matt wrote the other half. And then Rolf came in and did a rewrite. And then I was constantly rewriting it while we were kind of working on the film. Um We shot for 12 days, and then we took six months off. I edited the movie, but there were little holes in the movie, so I wrote some new scenes to fill those holes. And that's when we went to Titmouse and did our... um additional sequences, like, you know, stuff like with the lockers which, where Alyssa's hiding in the locker and there were some sneaking around and the stuff on the big scare. Well, that was all at Titmouse. And, uh, we filled in all the like holes of the movie that we needed to fill in later. And that was like just two days of pickups.
1: That's not, man, that's 14 days total. So yeah, you know, that that's a two week project right there. So that, that's gotta be a sense of accomplishment to sit there and go, We made a sci-fi film in two weeks that looks really good, you know, with the special effects that you were able to, especially when people find out, you know, that it's a 14-day shoot and the micro-budget that you had to put it all together, and then on top of that, you know, it's tongue-in-cheek, it's humorous. Like, this this could easily be one of those, like, midnight screening movies, you know, where they put it in, like with the room and Rocky horror and stuff like yeah.
0: that. <laughs> love it. Yeah. That would be amazing. <laughs> no, we, and we had, we screened it at a lot of festivals and people really, really gravitated to the movie and they really liked the character of Otto and they liked Jenny and they liked the way the movie ended. And, you know, it was, uh yeah, it was a labor of love every step of the way. I mean, I was living with the movie for that entire, you know, two-year process. I guess you'd say two-year process from beginning of writing it all the way to the release date. But there was really one whole year where I was working full-time, and then I'd come home, and I'd be just editing the movie. and, And then I'd be building the sound design and, you know, all that other stuff. I mean, it was you know a lot of work <laughs> and your like marriage that. survived it on top of that yeah i know huh isn't yeah. that amazing
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's love right there cuz they say if your marriage can survive a remodel you know <laughs> you you guys will survive here that's you true. are here you are working in the office and then coming home and then editing your own project on the side
0: yeah, yeah, and it's funny. We were like, yeah, never again this way. We're never going to do it this way again. And of course, and now we're talking. Oh, we'll do another. You yeah, know, so we'll see. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, automation
1: too, man. You said it. You left it open for a sequel.
0: Yeah, you can always. Yeah, I, I, I toyed with some ideas on that, but we'll see. We got we got a couple other things we're trying to do, so uh we'll see which one of them pans out. But both of the other projects are sci-fi, so that's okay. cool. I, I kept, definitely want to stay in that world. Yeah, you
1: know, and I'm sure because you're friends with the guys at Titmouse, you had some help with the uh, with the CG special effects.
0: Actually, those were um those were done by uh, some other guys. Uh, there was this guy Adam Lima, who's a brilliant effects guy. He's worked on a lot of stuff. I knew him through Horror Trivia, and the other one was Jason Miller, who uh, did some all those cool cityscapes and things that you see later. Uh, he's also a filmmaker, but really, really talented CG artist. And, uh, we had two other guys, Benny Pierce did all the, um, he he worked on agents of shield and stuff like that, but he, he did all the, uh, the view screen stuff of auto. And then we also had, uh, Perry Hirovis who did a few other shots and he's a childhood friend of mine who works with WWE entertainment now, but uh, he also does a lot of the graphics for trailers I do.
1: Oh, So he's he's the guy that's also doing the graphics on SmackDown where you see like the little bubbles and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, he worked. I believe he works yeah. on some of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, uh, I grew up watching WWE and uh WCW and the NWA and all those other wrestling promotions. So nice. that's That's a little tie-in for me, right there, knowing that one oh, of your buddies yeah. works there. <laughs> oh, no, that's great. You know, so I assume he's in Connecticut, then.
0: Yes, he's in yeah. Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. I'll... Yeah, and it's East Coast. That's you know where I'm originally from. Right. Yeah, I used yeah. to work in public access television and we used to do a TV show called Valley of the Shadows together and it was like a Twilight Zone show and that's back in the day. It was like the internet before the internet. It was just really? public access television. You know?
1: <laughs> and what people don't know about public access is that back then you were able to rent the, rent a actual studio and they gave you tape and a camera and you could film whatever you
0: wanted. Yes, and that's what we did. And we were actually among the first people to actually do dramatic shows in that sort of format because most places were still just doing committee meetings and football games and basketball games and that sort of stuff. But we, you know, it, it was pretty innovative. It was a weird period of time. That was like the 80s, you know, 80s to early 90s. <laughs> the the thing with
1: public access, though, is that, you know, having having the chance to use that high-end equipment was such a big deal for people. And now I've seen people film movies on their phones because, yep. you know, anything that's like Samsung Note 8 at one point point to and up, and even, you know, with Apple stuff because they lag two years behind. I don't care if Apple gets mad at me. I don't have one of their phones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have now 4K cameras in our hands.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, yeah. you can get some pretty good quality on your camera these days. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know what's it what's it like having majored in film back then where you were still cutting together a film to now being able to do it digitally you've seen the evolution of it firsthand from graduate school till now which oh, wow. had to yeah. have made things a lot easier for you to make this film
0: oh yeah no i mean it's it's incredible i mean i used to actually when i was a kid i would actually cut eight millimeter and super eight millimeter film, like literally with the splices and tape and you'd tape together the film. And then I got into video editing, which was three quarter inch tape to three quarter inch tape. And you have this five second delay. So, but it was linear, you know, the whole thing that changed was right after I got out of film school. And that was around 92 is when Avid and Lightworks and these other systems started where you could edit on a computer and drop things in the middle because, the old way of editing, at least on video, you'd have to just keep going straight forward. I mean, what, you, couldn't, you couldn't back up, you know what I mean, and, you know, change it, you know. Um, but video editing – I mean, the computer editing now is a lot more like the original film editing because you can just break up, br- drop something into the middle of something and – taken on so I, i've done it all i mean i've cut 35 millimeter 16 millimeter video and now i do editing on avid and adobe premiere um i just i just worked on another uh feature i just edited a feature uh, for glenn danzig um you know uh which is uh an adobe premiere and it was great experience
1: oh man it was funny when we were kids we used to argue that glenn danzig if they ever made a live action wolverine was the perfect plug and play because he's the right height and build for the character.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's yeah, what happens when like,
1: you're a comic book kid, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. No, comic books rule. I mean, I was into all that stuff. Um but yeah, like uh but yeah, editing as far as it is now, I mean, um the uh yeah, I mean, it's just amazing how much you can do at home, you know? And that's, you know, that's how I cut my trailers. I cut all my trailers basically on my system at home right now. And huh. uh yeah. Yeah, we've
1: come a long way, man hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, with automation, since this was a two year process and you said you were writing and rewriting up until production day. And I know Sadie had said during the table reads, uh, you humanized her character a little more. You actually took input from the actors about their characters and how they would develop and were more than willing to work with them in that realm. How different,
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah. How different is the final product in comparison to the original script? Was the original script a lot darker? Was it more humor based? Was it more, you know, end of the world, you know, doomsday style? Like what, what was the evolution from pay, you know, from the first draft to the final
0: cut? The the tone was always, I think, what it is. It always had a sort of fun tone to it. And um, the, you know, basically the story is all the same. But what did evolve was the character Sadie actually is, is playing, you know, that, that role was originally written for another friend of mine named uh, Sean Keller, who's a wonderful actor. And he's a great writer. Um, and he was going to play really just a total bad guy, like a total jerk, you know what I mean? And then his uh, girlfriend had a film that uh, she was directing. So he had to kind of go off and work on that. So he wasn't able to play the part. And Sadie, who has a birthday around the same time as me and Alyssa, we did like a a triple header birthday party one day. And then like, you know, I just said, gee, you know, we have an opening here. Maybe, you know, maybe Sadie would want to do it. And she's like, sure, I'm in. So that role was changed to fit her And then, uh, as the time went on, she started having these great ideas about the character. Like, you know, what if she wasn't just necessarily just a bad person, but she, her father's the one who passed away and she's connected, you know, to the, um, you know, to the place, like she's trying to defend the place, you know what I mean? You know, and, and that worked out wonderfully because it now gave her character an arc, you know what I mean? Where she was arguing for something that she believed in. She was trying to save her father's legacy and everything. Sure. So, uh, I, I and I love that because I didn't I didn't like the just sort of broad strokes of her just being a villain. I liked the fact that you know we humanized her character, you know, in a in a, in a strong way.
1: Yeah, that part was great, and we both made fun of her not being able to throw.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that was great. I remember us doing that a few. Ta- we did a few takes of that. Yeah, <laughs> and and that was pretty funny. Um, uh, she was great. Sadie's amazing. Yeah. Do you do you like the
1: idea of sticking with the micro budget films just because they're they're such quick shoots that you don't have to sit there and go like. Let's pick on Bumblebee for a second. You know, the movie came out a couple yeah. of years ago. This yeah. thing had like a $350 million budget, um, you know, more than seven, eight months just to film the principal shooting, like sit there and end up, all right, so this is the third day we're filming scene seven, you know, whatever, right here again and back to, mm-hmm. you know, back to one over here and then continuously do it this way when it's just two weeks, it's boom, boom, boom. All right. We had two to three takes max. And we're out.
0: Yeah, (laughs) you know, look, I I would love to have one of these bigger budgets just so I could do more and have more time to do certain things. But I think at this stage of the game, you know, uh, you you know, I'm willing. Look, like when I mentioned, I had I have a couple projects I'm trying to get off the ground right now, and I mean, you know, one is a considerably bigger budget. Another one might be something kind of similar. Um, do I have a preference? I mean, obviously more money buys you more time and you can do things a little better than you know, uh you know, maybe we were able to pull off in some of the things we were trying to do. Mm-hmm. But um I think I mean at this stage of the game The the wonderful thing about automation is I was able to make the movie the way I wanted to make it. You know, there wasn't some executive saying, Hey, you got to change this and you got to do that or the film needs this or you better do this that way. It's, it's the movie I wanted to make. All the, all the producers I worked with and stuff were wonderful. You know, they contributed in their own ways and offered, you know, suggestions. And we always, you know, talked about those kind of things and used, you know, I'll use a good idea wherever it comes from. But there was no one saying, Gatto, you can't do this. You know what I mean? So this movie is – the only limitations on the movie are the budget. You right. know, Everything else, it's exactly the way I wanted it to be. So if you told me, hey, Gatto, I'm looking into the crystal ball and the rest of your life you're just making a bunch of films like Automation, you know what? That's just fine. I'd be totally happy with that, to have that kind of creative freedom to tell the stories I want to tell and make the films the way I want to make them. That'd be fantastic.
1: (laughs) And the only person getting on your case is your wife.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> but she's very supportive, and it's great. I mean, you know, the hungry monsters, both of us. So you know, we're gonna do whatever it takes. You know, well, um, we just lo- we do we do this because we love it. You there know? you
1: go. And then one day you get a call from your mom in the afternoon. And goes, I'm tired of the robot movies. Can't you do something else? <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> you know it, it's so funny. You know, my mom, uh, my mom and dad came out. We had a screening of the movie. You know, at the time I was working at Lionsgate, so we had the screening at the Lionsgate screening ro- screening room and. My parents came out and we had the screening with, you know, actors and friends and stuff. And they just loved the movie. And it was just so wonderful to see them there and, you know, get to share that with them. Because, you know, she she's she remembers the days I was filming stuff and making a mess of the kitchen or the house and having friends run around and fake blood all over the place <laughs> and all that stuff. So, you know, to see it as an actual movie now, you know, what I mean, not just sort of a bunch of kids doing some silly <laughs> stuff, you know, it was very cool. It surprised her. She's
1: like, wow, it finally paid off.
0: Yeah, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, and now now it's a happy memory of you making a mess of the kitchen.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, uh the the film itself has been fun, fun to watch. You know, you gave the robot a, kind of a soul, you know, as much as you can for mm-hmm. for a machine. But, you know,
0: with, and that uh, was very important to me to do that. I really wanted you to feel something for him. Yeah. Um, the the end scene.
1: I'm I'm not going to give it away, but mm-hmm. uh, there's a piece of art in the end scene. Who was the artist on that?
0: Oh, that was my friend, uh, Amy Searles. Uh She she did that, uh, and uh, she uh, helped out a lot on the movie, on the set, and everything. And yeah, that was uh, her doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you're having a good time
1: with everything that you're doing. I'm looking forward to seeing what you have next. Um, let's put it like this. It's Friday. We're home. We have the option of ordering a DVD that'll show up next week, or we have the option of ordering automation on VOD. Why should I spend my hard earned money on a Friday night, you know, viewing of automation?
0: you you'll get 90 about a 91 minutes of uh entertainment. It's a fun movie. I I promise you won't be bored. And um you know, it's I I deliberately tried to make a movie where you wouldn't feel you have to fast forward to anything. I mean, you just, you know, sit down and you have some fun characters and amusing scenes and it tells a story. It gets from point A to point B to point C. And, uh, yeah, so I just hope you find it entertaining, a little exciting, and hopefully you feel something uh, at the end of the movie. That was really the whole goal, the whole intent, you know. I wanted people to feel something for this inanimate, you know, object turned into a – basically turned into, you know, a combination of Ted's suit, the, uh, the sound design – um, you know, Jeff Knight's brilliant physical performance and, of course, Jim Tasker's incredible voice, uh, just combined to create something and, uh, create a wonderful character.
1: Speaking of Jim, Jim, Jim has that soft spoken voice where he gives it a youthful feel for the robot. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that was all designed. I mean, he is a brilliant, not only is he a brilliant, you know, a, a voiceover artist is an actor, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's more than just a voice. You've got to give it a performance. He, um, has done voices, for tons of trailers that I've worked on, uh, and that's how, you know, I knew I was going to use them because I, I kept thinking of like Night Rider or Kit and Car, you know, right. the Car was sort yeah. of the Paul Freeze sort of voice, you know. Um, so I just wanted something that had that sort of richness to it, but we, we decided to keep him kind of innocent and always trying to figure things out. And, uh, that was sort of the character. We, we even toyed at one point with like, should we try to have the robot? Always sort of just upbeat and like sort of a monotone, you know, <laughs> or do we, or do we let the performance, like the characterization that's written there come out? Like, so if he gets a little angry or he gets a little more curious, you know, that all comes out. And we decided to let it be a, a more emotive performance, you know, let the, let the script dictate how he's actually feeling. And I thought it worked terrific, you know, he, he, did a great job.
1: <laughs> I dug it, man. No, you guys did a good job with that. And as a voice actor myself on the side, you know, I, I appreciate the the voiceover work that comes with these guys.
0: Oh, thanks, thanks. man. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I can tell you have a really good voice. So oh, thank you. We'll have you. to talk later. Yeah. Well, if you ever need a
1: voice for any future project or anything, not to not to take work away from uh, from the other sure. guy. But, yeah, just a, just a different style of voice. Let me know. Yeah.
0: No, yeah, no, really, you're wonderful. Thank you,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Garo. Before I let you go, where can we find automation on social media? Where can we find you on social media? Follow your company, etc. And then, where can we find the film on VOD?
0: Uh, it's on, it's currently on Amazon Prime and Tubi and I I believe several other uh, video on demand services right now. And of course there's a Blu-ray you could order on Amazon which I highly, highly recommend only because not only do you get the movie and the beautiful, you know, quality of a Blu-ray, but you have over two and a half hours of special features I worked on for it uh, that really get into the nitty gritty of how we made this you know, little movie and how we were able to pull it all off. And there's interviews with everybody, with Alyssa and Sadie and Graham Skipper and Jeff Knight. And uh we have a special interview with Jim Tasker. Uh Sarah French is on there. Uh my wife's on there on a heat. Uh interviews with Rolf Konefsky and Esther Goodstein. Um, you know, it's it's really they're all on there and uh yeah really uh, it's a full package. So uh <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend it.
1: I'm definitely a Blu-ray bonus features type guy, so that's always the route I prefer to go. Plus, I like having a tangible copy in hand.
0: All right. Well, well. Yeah. Have to, well did, now, did you get a tangible copy or did you get a link? I, no, I
1: you, you you sent me the, the Blu-ray. and uh, the Blu-ray. What, right. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, All I have right, made the request cool. of the Blu-ray because I know I would have lost the link in the tons of emails that I get a day, and I didn't want to do that, so...
0: That's great. Well, yeah. De- yeah, definitely dig into those. You'll you'll find out a lot of interesting things uh, on how we did that movie. <laughs> Perfect.
1: Garo Setian, thank you so much for your time, man. By the way, social media tags uh, that we should look oh, for. Oh
0: yeah, you you can just find me on Facebook. My name Gato Setian. That's probably my. You know, I know it's an older way of doing it. I'm also on Instagram, but you know, I'm I'm mainly a Facebook guy. It's the easiest. One for me to operate. Yep.
1: <laughs> so. Argue in politics, I know what's going on. Not
0: kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 there's not a single drop of politics on my area. I stay so far away from that. So it's just, just lots of smiling pictures of me and promotions for my movies. So there you go. Perfect, man. Well, automation. Never div- get on Twitter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, automation's available now for for VOD viewing and Blu-ray. Go check it out. This was definitely a lot of fun. I I enjoyed it tremendously. I didn't honestly think I was going to enjoy it as much as I did. I was like, "Oh, this is going to be fun." But I really liked it. You layered the characters and you did so much with it. So, I'm thrilled for the way it came out for you.
0: Oh, thank you, man. Yeah. I really really appreciate it. <laughs> and uh yeah, but you know, thank you everyone. You now, check it out. We'd love love to hear hear what you think of it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh by the way, Garo, please keep in touch and uh, you know, we'll we'll talk soon.
0: Okay. Thank you so much.
1: You have right. a good one. You too. Take care, Bye. man.